you've found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Welcome back, everyone. Happy Monday to you. Jason, last time we left, you were talking about looking at a bike rack for the uh, for the, I assume the S3, um, yep. how are you, have you thought about how you're going to mount it or how many bikes or whatever? I assume you and, uh, Kelsey are thinking about going for bike rides. Yeah. Well, I've always been like a mountain biker guy. So on my Lincoln, I had, it was like the regular bike rack. It, you know, I had the, you know, what you would see on a normal car. Um, and I would assume that that would fit on the S3, but I don't want I don't want to damage it at all. I don't want to scratch it, like any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, You're talking about one always, of those ones that mount to like the trunk lid, where yeah. it's like it's like uh, arms, and then it straps down and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You ratchet it down, and everything. Yeah. And with the Lincoln, it was fine. It was no big deal. Whatever. I wasn't really sweating it that much, but I don't want to do that to this car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could put that. It's like a universal one, so I could put that on the, the Accord take that but you know like i want to drive my car i want to yeah. you know have fun with that you know because my buddy and i like we want to go mountain biking um but i also don't want to do like the roof rack thing because i don't i don't like the way that looks it's just a personal mm-hmm. preference i don't really like that look but um today actually i came across something on facebook or one of the groups i'm in and i think they're like suction cups yeah, yeah, it goes on, I guess, like the, I guess you can put it on the back window or the trunk lid, and then part of it can go on like, the um, sunroof, mm-hmm. and I think you have to remove the front tire, so I might, I might look into that, and people, the comments, people are like, oh, you know, can, can you go fast with your bike, you know, on the back, and it's going to blow off, and guys like, I've done 115 yeah, with with my bike on the back, isn't it no problem? I'm yeah. clearly not I'm not going to do that, but I don't know what the cost is, but it might it might be a reasonable solution. So yeah, look into Sea Sucker. I think that's mm-hmm. a brand that everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they make all kinds of stuff, and I'm going to send you one right now. Okay. Um, which I think you you'll think is pretty cool. But are you, um, in, are you into that at all, like biking or anything like that? Not really. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. against it. I just um, that's another hobby where, or a sport where you can really like dive in and spend a whole lot of money really quickly. Yeah, true. Um, but I think that would be a good solution for you because you can take it off when you're not using it and mm. you can mount it to the glass and to the trunk. Um, and you don't have to buy like a tow hitch to mount to the car, mm. you know, and then, cause like the tow hitch mounted ones, they rattle around a lot, like when they're empty and stuff, if you had to have the bike on the back of the car. Um, which you would probably take it off because it would look cleaner, but but who like do you also want to have you know like a a hitch? I don't I don't want I don't even want a hitch on my car. Right, exactly. Like, I don't even want to see a receiver on there. Yeah, I think this is your best option. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm gonna look at that tonight. Um, looks good. You get but the picture also, I sent you. Yeah, I did on the Cayman. <laughs> is a yellow cool? a yellow Cayman? Yeah. <laughs> How do you find that? I just searched it. I saw somebody post it um, like a week or two ago. 
uh-huh. in one of the groups I'm in uh, on another Cayman. And um, so, yeah, basically you you remove the front tire and then mm-hmm. it mounts on the front and then the back. But, like, but that'll, that'll give you some options. But wouldn't you be worried? Like, how do you get the thing up there without, like, you know, scratching the paint or like slipping somewhere? You know what I mean? Like, you have to be really careful. I would imagine. Yeah. Because if be you're careful. not, if you're not paying attention, you know, the front fork could, you know, scratch your paint or whatever. Because I like, get you always see the pictures where it's up there and it looks great and everything's fine. But like, what did it take to get it up there or remove it? You know, yeah, your your car is not super tall though. Well, so still, if you if you mount it to the back windshield in the trunk, you, you know, you're just kind of like standing beside the car. It's not like you're trying to put equipment into um, a rooftop carrier box on top of an SUV. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, you know, a pain and a pen- potential drop hazard and stuff. Yeah, still, I don't know. It's just uh, the idea of that slightly concerns me. You know, well, then uh, you just drive the Accord. Yeah, it might it might come down to that. I don't know. I'm going to do some research, but you're right. Um, I feel like I feel like for me, I'm getting myself into these hobbies that can get you into trouble quickly. Hmm. I mean, the car hobby by itself is you know is difficult sometimes because it can get quite expensive quickly. Now I'm looking into that golf car thing that I told you about. Um, as well as the, the bike thing is more of like an exercise. I've had this bike for, I don't know, 15 years. I'm just trying to get more active with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see that becoming a problem. Yeah. But, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because whatever you're into, you can spend money on it. Oh yeah. It if doesn't not, matter what it is. Cautious. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be knitting or it could be, mm. you know, model cars or it could be computer games or it could be anything that you want to make into a hobby you can there's a way to spend thousands of dollars really quickly yep yep so on the last episode you mentioned the porsche 959 and i know that it's like a super rare car but i've always wondered why it was kind of like a proof of concept like porsche came out with it to show that they could do something I think it was originally designed for a certain purpose. I don't know a whole lot of information about it, but it was, I think, the first road-going uh, Porsche to have all-wheel drive, and it was like a turbocharged six-cylinder. Um, you know, it was like the epitome of what they could do. It had uh, adjustable height suspension, which in the late '80s was like, you know very rare i think they were the first ones to do it because it this Mm -hmm. car came out in 86 Mm -hmm. okay so i just had to search it real quick because Mm -hmm. i like to have facts and stuff in front of me Mm -hmm. it was built from 86 to 93 and it said there were 337 plus eight produced so i'm sure there's a the plus eight were probably like test cars or something like that Mm -hmm. um but it had, you know, like I said, all-wheel drive. It was turbocharged, 444 horsepower, which in the mid-80s was a lot. Yeah. And it weighed just, just about 3,200 pounds. So 
a little bit more than my Cayman. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was basically an overgrown modified 911 mm-hmm. that was you know it had arrow bits on it like it had actual aerodynamic stuff so it was it was definitely a they go, car. they go for like millions of dollars on yeah. at auction it's insane yeah and like you can't get the tires anymore like they were very specific tires wow and then it said that it was it debuted at a cost of two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. This was in nineteen eighty six, and it was mm. half of what it cost built half of what it cost Porsche to build them. So it cost Porsche, you know, almost a half a million dollars to build the car. In the in the late eighties. In the mid eighties, yeah. God, that's probably like I don't know, almost double in today's dollars. I'm I'm looking that up now. I always like to do that. Like what you know, what would this car cost new now when it did in the 80s? So if that car was built today, it would be five hundred and eighty-six thousand dollars. Jeez. So imagine whatever the so like um you know a GT2 RS or GT3 mm-hmm. RS, they're mm-hmm. selling for probably two fifty. Mm-hmm. So this car was twice that. That's insane to me. Yeah, it was um, definitely a unique car. I mean, there were 337 of them built. So mm-hmm. you're probably never going to see one. Except on like Mika Auto auctions. I don't even know if you'll see one there. No? no. We think they're like museums or something probably? Uh, I think there's some private museums and, yeah. you know, private, private collections that, you, you know, are probably never going to see the light of day. Yeah, just like an investment. I came across something. I forget what it was. It was a it was a Cadillac engine that came out. They only did it for one year. It was like in the eighties, and it featured like um, was it their diesel engine, the V eight diesel? No, it wasn't a diesel. Which like I'm very like, confused about that too because I've seen those. Like you know, I'm a part of this group called obscure cars for sale and things like that would come up every once in a while which is like really weird um but this one featured cylinder deactivation Mm -hmm. and it was it was an eight cylinder like a six liter v8 that you could i think switch it to be either eight six or four cylinders you know like activating and it was like a nightmare. Apparently, it didn't work out. You know, <laughs> they offered it for one year, um, and it was it was very interesting because I think it had like switches. Like you could you could I think you had to manually wrong. do it. Yeah, and I think it said this. It was like a ninety degree V eight, and the fact that when you I think the six wow, cylinder ninety degree that's that's a wide engine. I think that's what it was, and apparently, when it if you put it in six cylinder mode, it was like really out of balance. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was interesting to to you know read because I feel like we tried it. I don't I don't know if any people are, is anyone doing that now cylinder deactivation. Yeah, GM's still doing it. Still, Audi. Ha- I learned recently that Audi has it. Really? Yeah. Um, it was on what a, models? I forget what it was recently, but um, mm. 
Yeah, I had a car in and oh, it was, it was an S6 with the V8 tur uh, turbo, twin turbo V8. Wow, really? It was, it was an S6. And the reason I found out is because the actuator to change to change some stuff, like to change it from, from eight to four, the actuator was bad. Mm. Um, that was one of the things it was in for, but I, that was the first time I learned that it, that Audi had done cylinder deactivation. What year was that? Do you know? It's like a 14 or a 16. Wow. Surprising. I was going to text you to see if you wanted it. Cause he's looking to sell it. Is he? Yeah. It's not that great a shape though. You wouldn't like it. No. No, <laughs> it was silver. I would, one of the, like one of like the lower fog light grills was missing, and um, it was it wasn't rough, but it wasn't it wasn't pristine. It wasn't up to your standards. Uh huh. I'm, I'm pretty meticulous, just like you with, with these vehicles. Also, it would not get thirty miles a gallon on the highway. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, maybe maybe in the future, you know. It's like a toy or something. But I found it very interesting um, to see the these technologies that like were thought of year like you know so many years ago, but didn't have the technology to kind of um like optimize them, you know what I mean? But it's all gonna start somewhere. Yeah, true. And then I saw somebody put do you remember the um you know old impalas from like the uh, mid two thousands? And there was an Impala SS that had like a 5.3 liter in it. And then they had the uh, Pontiac, was it the Pontiac Monta Montana minivan? No, Pontiac Transport. It was both, depending oh, on the well, year. Okay, so uh, somebody put the drivetrain from an Impala SS into a, a Montana. And they were doing like they were doing burnouts and stuff. Like that's pretty cool. Like I like that. Like I could definitely get on board with that. Having a 5.3 liter V8 in your minivan. It's pretty cool. I don't know if they would have had to use the Impala motor because you know Cadillac was doing the North Star mm. with their front wheel drive sedans. Mm. And then during you know, some of the mid 2000s you you know the the Monte Carlo and Impala SS of that generation had the supercharged um, or no, it was a supercharged V6, but then it went to the V8, but like they were doing the 5.3 liter V8 in the front wheel drive cars in the mid two thousands. Uh, so like an 08 Impala SS had it. So mm -hmm. I feel like it would be easy to, to just throw in one of those newer engines into a Pontiac Montana or a transport or something like that pretty easily. Cause the transmission's already set up for it. You just got to get an engine. Where do you thoughts like, on that? Because like, I know like back then, you, know, you, you could probably get a four-cylinder today that makes the same power as that V8 did, but it's just, it's just different. I mean, the torque's not the same. It sounds different. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think about that? Um, but you're more of a European guy than I am. Like, I, this is my first foray into the European universe with this car. I've, I've been in American cars most of my life. Yeah, I can appreciate, you know, a good V8 for how it sounds, but it's not the be-all end-all for me. I, I like mm -hmm. engines that are have character to them and, mm -hmm. you know, are unique and things like that. Like mm -hmm. the Turbo 5-cylinder and the, some of the Audi models I think is really cool. It sounds great. Mm -hmm. uh, the Volvo's got a Turbo 5-cylinder. That's, that's a cool, unique engine. Yes. Um, you know, like, or they have Volvo in, in one of their 
not a performance model, but they they kept the straight six engine in it. Um, and that's a nice smooth engine. It's going to be torquey and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, really nice to drive on a daily basis. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of high power turbocharged four cylinders. And then there's nice snorty V8s like the, the uh, what do they call it? In the, in the Shelby GT350, the Voodoo engine, you know, mm-hmm. with the flat plane crank. Mm, That's an yeah, awesome yeah. sounding engine. Yeah. You know, so like, I yeah. like all, en- not all engines, but I like a lot of different kinds of engines. And I think it intrigues me more to see what kind of possibilities there are in putting different things that you might not think of into a car, like something that's mm-hmm. more unique and off the, off the wall. Like it's easy to put a V8 in something and you know, it sounds good and yeah. it's going to have some power and it's torquey and stuff, but like do something different, like switch it up a bit. Uh, yeah. You know, like the, the EcoBoost um, Mustangs with the 2.3 liter four cylinder turbo, while it's not a V8 and a Mustang, it's got some great options. Like if you are someone that likes to, hustle on a back road or mm. autocross or track your car yeah you're not going to have the the raw straight line speed but it's going to have a way better handling dynamics you know it's going to have a lighter front end it's going to be you know still fun to drive and you know so i don't see a downside to that it's just got a stigma because it's not a five liter v8 well it's like the uh the svos i mean it was like a 2.3 liter turbo back in the 80s yeah, but they probably weren't. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the power output was on them, but I know that the five O's of the same generation were like two twenty five, yeah, or something and like I th- that. I think the SFEO was, you know, right around the same, like one ninety, two ten, somewhere around mm. there. But they're kind of, I don't know. It's like a, I don't know how I feel about those. I think if you're going to get a Fox Body Mustang, you have to have the V eight in it. I never liked the styling of the SVO because it had the different like bumper and, and headlights and stuff. And I just, yeah. it went, it went back to the bucket style headlights, the square lights. Yeah. And I preferred the 87 and 93 arrow yeah. style lights yeah. personally. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I was, while it's essentially the same car, the pre eight, the 86 and older, uh, I was never really into. But isn't that, I think that's when the SBO ended was 86, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they did them like 84 to 86, somewhere in yeah. there. I wish they still had. I wish that Ford still kept the SVT line. Um, I think that sounds cool. I know they have like the ST and all that stuff now, but. Well, it's like, all the same department. It's still Ford Performance and SVO or like SVT and stuff. They just renamed it and stuff like that. Yeah, but I don't know. To me personally, I just like special vehicle team. Like that was cool. Yeah. Like, you have like, it's a, to me, it's, it seems like you have like a car that is designed by a team to achieve something to me. Now it's like you have the ST line. It's just another trim level. Right. Um, I think when they reintroduced, when they like in 2016 or whenever it was, when they brought out the EcoBoost Mustang, yeah. I think they should have called it the SVO. That would have been really cool. They should have because yeah. it would have been, you know, a great way to use a retro name. Yeah, yeah SVO stood for Special Vehicle Operations or something like that. Yeah, but it would have been. I mean, it's the same engine size as yeah. it was thirty years ago. 
it was, I don't know, I think that's another thing where Ford marketing really missed an opportunity. Like what I said with the Bronco two. Yeah. hundred uh, percent on the, on the Bronco sport. Like they could have called the EcoBoost Mustang. They should have just called it Mustang SBO. Yeah. And I think it would have been cool. Yeah. I've lost a lot of, um, I used to be like a Ford guy, like, you know, hundred percent. And, um, it's to me, Ford's all now cookie cutter. Like they don't sell any cars. It's all SUVs and the Mustang. I don't really like the direction they're going in. That's what sells. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm into cars now that I can't afford. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the next. Well, that'll RS3. never change. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the nature of the uh, of the hobby, I guess. Right. <laughs> yep. Always looking at something bigger and better. Yeah, always. You looking. know, like. I was driving this weekend and I thought every now and then I think I'd like to have a newer, a newer came in that, mm-hmm. you know, the styling is still good on the second generation and, you know, it's got more power and it's got a different engine and stuff like that. But then I think, you know, I would lose some things too. Like I would lose some character and it would still be fun to drive, but it wouldn't quite be the same. You know, I, I really enjoy the Cayman and, you know, every time I think about maybe something newer, it's, it's just a bug re you know trying to fight again and you know but there's there's never really been a good reason to get rid of a car previously except for um maybe the maybe the explorer but yeah it was just i've had the car for almost two years and it was a bug trying to bite again Mm -hmm. and i just have to you know kick it off and get back in the car and drive it and i'll remember you know i still like the car yep i have the same way I feel the same. I feel the same way a lot of times with my car, which I'm surprised that my brake wear sensor hasn't kicked off yet. I'm I was waiting about for that recently. I'm waiting for it like any day. And we talked about like the Audi, uh, you know, the, the Audi warning and how aggressive it is. Right. Um, and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for it because it has to be coming. I mean, last time we checked the brakes, there were like I think two millimeters in the front. No, they were more than that. Maybe three. I think I thought they were fours or fives. No, maybe on the back, not the front. No, I don't know. They, it, but it just passed inspection. You just you just need to drive harder. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at my rear, my rims, um, the brake dust can speak for itself. It's pretty bad. I have to wash my rims like I don't know once a week. I haven't washed my car since probably February. That surprises me that you allow just, that to happen. I just haven't had time. And now it's yeah. like, it's dirty, whatever. Yeah. Like, right. you know, in April and May, I was either working or mm. it was raining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it wasn't True. raining, I was mowing the grass on mm. the weekends. And so, like, I just didn't have time to wash the car. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, in May, it was kind of the same. And now, you know, June's over and, you know, I still haven't washed it. So, I just one of these days I'll get around to it. Does that thing produce a lot of brake dust? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Those mm. those tires are dirty, or wheels. Mm. The wheels are dirty. Yeah, yeah. I, I could wash it, and about two or three commutes later, I'm seeing a film of dust, brake dust on yeah. the wheels. Yeah. But you know what? It stops. Like my dad really obsesses over brake dust. Mm-hmm. He actually back in the day, we when he had his um, one of his sport tracks, Ford 
offered two different types of brake pads. There was the factory ones and there was mm. the economy ones. Mm. And most of the time they installed the economy ones because they were cheaper and people generally like to spend less. Right. But he noticed when he switched to those that his brake dust increased a lot. Okay. So next time he needed brakes, he asked them to put back on the factory brakes or the OE original equipment spec. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was less dust. He's like, I don't care if it costs a little bit more. I don't want to be cleaning my wheels all, or have super dirty, dirty wheels all the time. So, yeah, he he wouldn't like the, the brake pads on my car because they, they dust a lot. But they they stop really well. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Well, I'd rather have the performance. Yeah, it's a good trade-off. He had sport tracks, you said? Yeah, he had... So he had Rangers when I was a kid and then he got, he had a couple of sport tracks and then he moved up to F one fifties. I always liked the adrenaline, which was like, uh, kind of like this. Like, I don't know. I'll call it the SVT. Of, he had of, an adrenaline. Uh, he did. Yeah. So that that's was, awesome. I mean, that was like an audio package and it had, it, it was weird cause it had like vinyl floors, um, instead of carpet. Uh-huh. And then it had the audio package added and it had chrome wheels. Um, maybe he only had one sport track. My brother-in-law had a sport track. He had a, I think he might've had one sport track and then he went to the F-150. But yeah, it was an adrenaline. It was, it was gold. The adrenaline though, it was, I thought it was more than that. It had um, like a V8 in it. The second generation. I might be thinking so, about a different one. So I'm talking. First, it had like a body kit on it. It had a, yep. a dual out dual outlet from one side, like, so like a, twin, a twin exhaust from one side. They, when they first brought out the sport track, it was like '03, yeah, and it was on. It was like a late '90s Explorer Sport, the two door, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but as yep. a four door with a little pickup body, uh-huh. and that was only available with the four liter V6. Mm-hmm. And then when they updated the Explorer in like uh 08 2010 to the Mm. newer generation that's when they updated the sport track and um that's when they added the v8 to it to the sport track yeah that's what that's the one i'm thinking of yeah he had the older style and they're they're sort of similar to like a cobra like they're pretty hard to come by anymore and they i think they fetch like pretty expensive i i wouldn't think so Maybe not as much as a Cobra, but more than you'd pay for, you know, a, a sport track today. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't think there's much of a demand for them, but um, yeah. I could be wrong. They're still, I think they're still pretty cool, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by them still. Not much utility in them, though. The, the bed is pretty small. Uh, you could do a decent amount of stuff with it. Like, he would... Uh, he used it to tow. They had a pop-up camper at the time. Mm. So he would tow that and then they would load up everything in the bed and hit a hard tonneau cover for it. Um, and then on top of the tonneau, he would put like their their easy up tents and stuff. Um, so he, he could load it up pretty well. Uh, and yeah, it's it's not like a full-size bed, but most people don't use a full-size bed all the time. So True. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I've always liked them. I've always liked those adrenaline ones, like the newer ones. Yeah, I always wish they would have put the the five liter into the Ranger, but I don't think that would have driven very well. Somebody did that. Um, I remember, like when I was a kid, 
reading Motor Trend, and some and someone put a five liter into a Ranger. Forget when that was, but it was pretty cool. I think I agree they should have probably didn't. It probably wasn't cost effective for the company. Yeah, and by the time that it might have been a thing, based is when they killed off the Ranger. Like the Ranger was done in eleven or twelve, and that was right around the time Chevy was putting the V8 as an option in, in the in the Colorado and the Canyon and the Hummer H3. Um, but those but are they, rare though. You don't see them. I was going to say they're, they're few and far between you. Yeah. And if you see any of it, it's going to be the Hummer H3 that you see uh, with the V8. I don't think many people did it for the, the Colorado. I saw a Colorado at a, a car show with a V8 in it. Um, the five three and I thought honestly I thought that it was like a swap and I talked to the guy about it he's like no no it was like a you know factory option so I looked into it and like that's pretty cool like I would I would love that yeah a little little compact truck with a V8 in it that's awesome I think the reason they probably didn't sell many of them is because by the time you optioned the Colorado with the V8 I think the price was was really close to a competitive Silverado at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, would you pay let's call it forty thousand dollars for a Colorado with a V eight that mm-hmm. can tow? This towing was probably still roughly the same as a V six because of the size of the truck. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're paying that much money, and you're losing fuel economy, and you're not getting any towing benefits, or do you spend the same amount of money and get a full size truck that has those added benefits? You got more room, you can tow more, you can haul more, you know, same fuel economy. That was the downside of those compact mid-sized pickups in the mid-2000s is they were almost the price of a entry-level full-size truck. The fuel economy was the same and it didn't have as much capability. So unless you wanted a smaller thing that you could park easier, it didn't really make a lot of sense at the time. Yeah, I mean, I understand it from a um, consumer standpoint. But as an as an enthusiast, I think that'd be cool to have. Well, enthusiasts always want the the really weird things that yeah, no one right. else is going to buy, and right. so, you know, we rarely get our wish because it just isn't economical for companies to make cars that ten people are going to buy. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, look at Porsche; they built three hundred thirty-seven cars, and they sold it for half of what it cost them to build. That's crazy to me. So like they. You know, why would you do that? What's the point? Just to get it out there? Because you can, like, just to prove what kind of engineering excellence you have and things like that. Do you have any um, any road trips or anything planned this summer? We're going to something I want to talk to you about actually before it happens, but we're going to uh, we were planning on going to San Francisco, which we discussed a while ago, and again. We're going to cancel that. So we're going to drive now to Cape Cod. Okay. Um, so that's going to be a little road trip. And I don't know if we talked about, did we talk about the go-kart situation when we were in Rehoboth? I think so. So that turned me on to like go-karting now. That was so much okay. fun. And it was like a regular go-kart experience. So nothing crazy. Yeah. So I started looking and um I was looking at like you know best go kart tracks, and one of them is in Massachusetts, 
Okay. And it's, it's pretty awesome. I'll send you, I'll, I'll look it up and send you the link, uh, but it's, it's pretty wild. And I'm thinking that I want to stop there on our way up and do that. But, um, but yeah, so we're going to take the, the F3 up there, um, the Cape Cod. But that's it. We've been doing that. We've been playing a lot of miles in the car. We've been going up and, you know, to shore for the day, the Poconos or whatever, and just having a great time just driving it and doing it. And even those trips that, I don't know, just being on a turnpike, whatever, that's still fun for me. Like, I enjoy that. So got, we got some stuff coming up. Um, so more, more to come with that. Okay. Nice. How about you? Yeah, I've got a, I've got to plan something. I don't know what, but I got to figure something out, get it out on the road, and just. Um, I do think my... we should go for a ride soon, just like an afternoon drive, like stop for lunch or something, just take a ride. Yeah, somewhere. for sure. I, I got to fill my summer up before it fills itself up. Yeah, true. <laughs> so yeah, I have to be. Quickly. I have to be more proactive about it. You know, get out and. You know, last year I did a, a day where I just drove and it was just me. I want to do another one of those this year. Um, we need to get up and drive our cars together. And I still want to take Sarah to a track day or autocross or something. So mm-hmm. we got to figure something out. I have to, yeah. I have to start planning things. It gets away from you if you don't. Yes, for sure. Yeah, the, the year is halfway gone already. I don't know where it went. So I, I got to be more proactive about it. So. We will see you later, guys, and see you next time. Thanks again for joining us. You can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love it if you could rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, enjoy the drive.